Welcome to the Cross Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross Border Interview Podcast featuring Tom Jackson. Tom, I want to thank you so much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Um, I, I'm going to start off my interview with the same question I ask most uh, interviewees is where does your sense to give back come from? Um, it pretty much uh, became my oxygen, so to speak. And I, I think I'm jumping in, in the story to answer your question. I, I uh, had a um, period of my time, time in my world, uh, 30 some odd years ago, where I had been the architect of building a hole in the ground where I lived, meaning I lived in a crawl space under somebody's house. As a matter of fact, it was the, the house of the guy who dealt me drugs. And um, that was my my world. I had taken everything that I had known and loved and stuck it in a needle and jammed them all into my arm. And, and as you, a result of that, I was a little, you know, a little crazy. And um, I talked to people who weren't there and maybe, maybe they were there. <laughs> maybe I was the guy who wasn't there. Either way, um, one night, I was uh, having a conversation with the creator. Now, it might have been a one-way conversation for a while, but eventually it turned into a two-way conversation. And the creator said to me, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. He said, I'm going to send you an angel. That angel is going to be worse off than you. And if you help that angel, I'm going to help you. And you helped that angel. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Yeah. So I, but he didn't tell me where to find the angel. He didn't say, here, <laughs> you know, he said, I'm, I'm the creator. I'm not a genie. <laughs> so that set me off to a, a, a journey. And it kind of led me here to you as a result of that. Cause I didn't find the angel, but I did find somebody that was worse off than me. And I did help that person. And when I got home after all of that to my little call space, my life had changed. I realized that I had woken up and I could breathe and I could see things different. And all of a sudden I realized that I was addicted to something immediately that didn't cost anything, lasted longer, and it was a better high. So my life changed. Sorry, continue. So um, now I had to find a way to satisfy my addiction to love right i'm a vampire love so uh, i went to find an organization that did the kind of things i wanted to do and that organization uh, by name was council fire which is in the heart of downtown toronto and um, it's still there and i met a woman her name is millie redmond and she was an awesome awesome person and she said can i help you i said yeah i you can i need to help 
He said, well, you came to the right place. Um, we help people here. I said, no, you don't understand. I need to help. I don't need help. <laughs> I need to help. And I was not very skilled at too many things. And maybe I was a one trick pony, but she asked if I knew anything about hampers. I know what? And it was close to Christmas and it's getting close to Christmas for us. Right. Yeah. Then, and I said, yeah, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, I can do hampers. Well, I had no idea what hampers was and not really. And it was the early days of food banks. And, um, I asked her why, and she said, well, she'd had a, a shortage of hampers the previous year, 500 hampers, that they were short, um, and wanted to know if I could help with that. I said, well, why don't we just go buy them? Why do we have to have people bring them? And, okay, it was a, a bit of a novel idea, but I did have some friends who were terrific musicians and terrific friends, and we started this project to raise money to buy food for hampers for council fire. And we didn't actually, here's the honest truth. Um, on the night, we didn't actually raise very much money. <laughs> it was a great story though. Um, there's a place called Silver Dollar. They call it the Buck in downtown Toronto. And it had been closed by the city for various reasons. And they allowed us one night. They said, if you clean it up, oh, you gotta clean it up now, that uh, we'll give you a permit to have this show. So it was grand, it was black tie and we had lights and sound, state of the art at the time. And we held a show. And now we didn't have any real success. We have, it was sold out, but you don't raise that much money at $10 a ticket in a, you know, a small venue, a 200 seat venue kind of, but there was so much support from people like you, right? There were people just like you that gave it some fuel that said, this is a really feel good story. We should be getting this news out. And they did. As a result of that, the next day, which is then the 18th of December, it's not like I don't remember this stuff. <laughs> so it was the 18th of December. And I was at the little triangular pigeon, they call it Pigeon Park across the street from Council Fire when I went in to say hi. Well, they didn't go in to say hi because there was so much commotion and there were cars and trucks lined up for one and a half kilometers and they're delivering food to council fire. So what that did is made me realize that there was not only the, a joy in using this, the limited skills that I had to help somebody who actually had skills, but it was helping somebody help somebody else, right? Help someone to help someone. And it was a pretty good story. And um, from that day to this day, then you might know some of these stats, but from that day to this day, myself and the other angel that I found, which was my wife, who fell in love with a drug addict, 
we've raised over $230 million in cash and in kind services for uh, various agencies. We've moved outside the realm of, of food banks to include social service agencies. And, and you know, living in Calgary, you know Alpha House uh, and the dope team who I, who I work with. Um, as an example, in Alcove, which is a women's shelter, and a number of other organizations here in Calgary uh, and across the country. So that's fantastic um, because we got satellites, we got people engaged in this. We had, um, and this is the glory of the project, not the glory of Tom Jackson. The glory of the project is that we had for 10 years running a national special at Christmas time on three networks, television. Um, and we continue to do that this year. Somewhat challenged, I'd say now, right? We all know that we can't, we can't, we're not going out to 17 cities this year, but we are going to tour. We are touring virtually. So let's talk about that. We're, we're, we're in the heart of uh, almost Christmas here. Like you said, we're almost six, seven weeks out from Christmas. Um, you have been running the most successful nonprofit concert in probably all of Canada with the Huron Carol. This is the 33rd year. We are in the height of a pandemic and you have decided to do it one more time, but yet again, do it virtually. How is this going to work? Because I've been to two of the Huron Carols when I lived in Lloydminster before I, when I moved out to, from Ontario to Alberta, Saskatchewan, you were there in Lloydminster. We covered you twice when you were there. I remember how uh, amazing it was to the, 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 the sense of uh, togetherness, to the sense of family that you were able to show on that stage. Virtually, sometimes you don't get that. So how are you going to bring the Huron Carol to a virtual situation now? We have pre-recorded pre-recorded this show. Um, we went out honoring protocols for COVID. We went into a performance space and we recorded the Huron Carol in the performance space. So now we have the opportunity to send people links to the show um, that you would know in this new world of technology. Um, we have for every one of we'll call, let's call it a client. Uh, let's call it Alpha House. Um, let's call it Alcove. These are two great examples. Um, they have a thousand seats that they can sell to raise money for their organization. This show is tailored for them, tailored for their organization and the people who support them. And they don't get a thousand seats. They get a thousand screens. Okay. Oh. We're on zoom right now. Yeah. Right. So you don't get a Well, you get a seat in your own home <laughs> 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 and you can wear a tuxedo on the top and pajamas on the bottom. Nobody cares, <laughs> but no, you get to engage. So you can buy a screen. And Alpha House or Alcove will provide that opportunity for you. But it's bigger than that. 
it's bigger than I could ever imagine. Because a screen probably has more than one person. Right? If you watch this, Chris, you're probably going to watch it with at least one other person, maybe two. So that's like four people per screen. And we have an op opportunity to have a, a tap in hand. So anybody who didn't necessarily pay for the screen, let's say the screen costs $10, you know, for, for a, a great, awesome show that carries messages of hope and creating health and compassion and empathy and all the things that we've come to, to, to know, but it's not right in front of us anymore. I mean, this, this COVID problem is a war. We are in a world war and we are flanked on one side by COVID and on the other side by mental health. So this is an opportunity to heal yourself, to realize that we can laugh and you're scared to go to church, we're coming to you. No sweat. <laughs> well, well about, you, about, you can play along if you want. <laughs> well, about that, how do people get that screen time? So is it something that they have to go to Huron Carroll's website to register their company or nonprofit to potentially live stream this? Or how does that work? Because I think that's where the people are, might get confused. It will be those pieces of the puzzle will be managed at least wise as a portal um, through, and I'm going to continue to use um, uh, Alpha House. They'll have their folks and, and they'll get the news out to their folks. Alcove will get the news out to their folks. And, and if you go to um, the Huron Carol.ca, um, we here on Carol, uh, Carol spelled C A R O L E dot C A. Um, just follow, you know, that's our website, and, and we can let All you know. The details are there. kind of where we are. It's not, you know, we're not quite that flush because we're in right now, there's 26 locations where we where we're, are currently in, and I suspect there'll be a lot more by then. But here's Here's the key. Um, the information that we're going to provide right now. So if you're listening to this and you're an organization or somebody in your, your reach has an organization that needs to raise funds desperately for their social service or whatever they do, however they do it to help others. Here's the information because it's not that tough. Get your pen and write down the name Todd, T-O-D-D, -D, Todd, T-O-D-D, -D, at Pacan, P-A-Q-U-I-N. That's a tough one. P-A-Q-U-I-N, entertainment. So you're following along, Todd at Pacan, P U. What did I say? P-A-Q-U-I-N. Uh, you got it. Entertainment.com. 
We will make sure that we link his email address in the show notes. That way, if people are looking for it, they can just copy and paste and they can just send a quick email. So now Todd will give you all the details and walk you through how your organization gets to participate and how they get to have a thousand screens that they can share with others. And if there's four people on each screen, that's 4,000 people that will be able to help you in your organization through these very challenging times. And I, you know, I, I wish that word challenging wasn't out there. It's becoming so cliche through these crucial times. Yeah. Right there. This is not about, it's about individuals, but it's not about numbers. And it's not about numbers because it's about a species. Like we are saving a species. That's us, right? That's the challenge. And the, the prescription, the social prescription is in the body of this show. I say again, it's about hope and it's about compassion. It's about family. It's about empathy. And most of all, it's about a four-letter word, a four-letter word. And that word is love. But it's not so much the word. And you take this and share it with everybody you know, Chris. It's not the word. It's the verb. Yeah. We, we are now in our 33rd year of Here on Carol. It has become a cross-country, national uh, staple of the holidays. You think of the holidays, you think of the Huron Carol. When you set out that first year with uh, Council Fire to do the Huron Carol, did you ever expect it to be this big, that people want to see it? They want, they're looking forward to it each year because, like you said, there are those messages and that big one of love that people love it and they want to feel that love because in today's society, there are so many times that we're in dark spots that this one glimmer of hope can bring you out and make you feel that uh, emotion, that verb, like you said, that you are trying to portray. I had no idea what it would manifest. I didn't have a clue, but I was a pretty naive guy even at my age, but it was really people like Council Fire, the people that worked there, that taught me the value of the gift. I had no idea how valuable this gift was. And as we went along uh, and started to expand this idea that we could do this in more than one place. Uh, you see, I, when I was in Toronto after that, I went to a phone booth, I borrowed a dime off a guy Calls were still worth a dime. I borrowed a dime and I made a phone call to my friend, Mike Stern in Winnipeg. And I said, Mike, I need your help. It's a pretty tough thing, but empowering to ask for help. It, it's a tough thing for me to ask, but it's very empowering to Mike Stern to respond. And, and he said, what do you need? I said, I need to get home. See, I lived, I, I had my heart and soul in Winnipeg. So he said, sure. 
no problem. Wow. And when I got home, all of my troops, all my boys said, what the hell are you doing? Like, how did you get like this? And I told them how I got like this, but I told them what I was today. And their attitude totally changed. All of them, every one of them, 100% of them. Okay, there was only eight of them. It's okay. <laughs> but they said, let's do something here. I got home on the 19th of December. Wow. And in five days, we organized a dinner for homeless people. You know, okay, for me, this was the fanciest restaurant I'd ever been in, but I can, at that point in time, and it was this funky little hotel where I had once lived in this paper shack hotel. And, um, and all my friends and I went out, found people on the street and brought them into the Royal Albert Arms and we fed them a, a, a king's dinner, a queen's dinner. And then we took them back to wherever it was we picked them up. And that was the start of um, a wave that never, never stopped cascading. And the more we did it, the more people got it and bought into it. And now we're responsible for 35 million people. And now we're responsible for 10% of those people who rely upon food banks of which 40% are children. You have been lucky in your life. You had a successful career in music. You've had a successful career in television and movies. You give back in so many ways. You talk about the dope uh, team here in Calgary. You, you are an ambassador for the uh, Red Cross you have the Huron Carol. Are you trying to give back because uh, the higher power, the creator has been good, so good to you? It might be, sure. Let, let me say, I, I won't say that that is a piece of this, but what's the greater piece of this is it was a means to an end. You see, when I came out of that hole and I got back to Winnipeg, um, I needed to do something. And I thought, well, okay, what do I know? Okay, this is the one thing that I know, but I can't really do it. I don't have any credibility. I'm a six foot five Indian guy with a braid. They used to call us Indians back then. And I was an addict. And so I phoned a friend of mine who was in the broadcast world. And I, I just, just simply asked him this question. I, I said, I, I, again, I was asking favors. <laughs> I said, I need a favor. Uh, I want to know if you have any cables I can carry. Because I can carry cables. And he, like my other friends, what the hell are you doing? You're a singer. And yeah, whatever. I need a job. Um, and, and he said, what's the other thing? I said, I need you to stand next to me. I need some credibility. I want to do this thing, but nobody's going to believe me. But the believe might believe me if you told them something that would give me some credibility. 
And then we had to find another person and another person and another person. And eventually we created this organization called the Christmas and Winter Relief Association. And it's been, it's really just me and Alice and my wife, my angel <laughs> now, but, but it gave us a, a foundation and a fortress where love lives. And we were able to invite people into that fortress. So part of that, gaining some credibility was to go back to what I kind of knew, that one trick pony guy, that clown. You know, people will, well, I'll never be out of a job now because people always will need a clown, regardless where they're at. And so I decided to become a better actor. I decided to learn how to sing better and to write and do all of those things. And, and through that process came other things like, you know, I met people who helped me along the way. Um, there's a guy, his name is Gordon McCall, who now runs the Lyric Theater in Swift Current, but he went to Swift Current from Purdue. He was the, the head of drama in Purdue, and he went from there, from the Centaur Theater in Montreal, and he went from there to, to Shakespeare on the Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. He went from there to the, to the, to the you know, Prairie Theater Exchange in Winnipeg, a man with great credibility and experience. We actually did a show. We toured a show eventually. Um, uh, all of this came into a light that gave light that we didn't know that there was that kind of brilliance inside of all of this. And, um, and it's, you know, in a, in a place of darkness, when we're in darkness, it's really good to know that there's a light inside. Uh, so I'm going to divert a little bit on the, the question here. Uh, I was recently talking to uh, a small town mayor here in Alberta, and uh, one of the if issues that they're facing right now is homelessness. In, that's growing population. It's northern Alberta, so there are a few reserves around the area. Um, and what they're finding is uh, Indigenous people, First Nations people uh, are the majority of the homeless people up in northern Alberta. How can municipalities, federal governments, provincial governments help the homeless community here in Alberta and if not across Canada? As someone who was homeless, who has risen up out of that uh, scenario, how can we help our homeless communities here in Canada? give them homes. I, I know that sounds like a crazy thing, but if, if you put a homeless person in a home, it'll cost you less money than helping them live on the street. Overall, it'll cost less money, but you might say, okay, well, I mean, it's a complex answer. It's a simple question, but it's a complex answer. If you, okay, Okay, what do you mean give them homes? Well, we build homes. We can't, we can't afford to build homes. Yes, you can. You just don't build affordably. And there's, you know, it's disruptive. Everything I do is disruptive. And, I'm, and I have no apology for it, but it is disruptive. If we're going to build homes at $225, $250 a square foot, of course you can't build affordably. 
Of course you can't, but you can build for less than that. It doesn't actually cost that much money to build homes. So is your, is your, is your commitment to build affordable, sustainable homes a business? Is it bootstra bootstrapped to business or is it bootstrapped to saving lives? Because if it's bootstrapped to saving lives, I can show you how to do that. I can show you how to build a home at $85 a square foot, a high quality home for $85 Canadian a square foot. And so you're why, why don't uh, we do that? Well, because we can't afford to. If, if there has to be a, an element of society that is in the industry that one can talk to that wants to see this happen because most of our industry in home building, and I'm not ditzing home building, I'm not ditzing anybody, framers, electricians, none of that, drywallers, none of them. They're all good, hardworking people and they need to make a good living. But there's a little section, say it was 10% of you, 10% of our society could actually dig in to this idea. And, and you say, well, how can you do that? What do you know? You're, you're a, a clown. You're the guy that makes us laugh, makes us believe in love and compassion and empathy, all those great words. How do you do that? Well, I was in the business. I had a manufacturing plant that built modular homes. And I discovered, and <laughs> remember the first part of that statement, I discovered that I could actually buy homes for less money than I could build homes. Wow. And that's the path that I took. So I know it exists. I know there's an opportunity to engage in that. And it takes a, a willingness to give a little. And oh, God, I know it's so hard right now. It's just so hard. How can you say give a little when I don't have enough for myself? I was there. I was there. Give to others. Help others. Let that be your purpose. And you'll get out of this mess both financially from a resource perspective and mentally, you'll become a very wealthy person if you help the poor. In 2017, you gave a passionate speech, a passionate speech at Rideau Hall, uh, where you uh, likened the Canadian flag to your sister and you asked the audience for one moment to think of you as your brother. Uh, you have tried to reach out to every Canadian in that speech, from what I can imagine in that speech, to try and say that we are all one people. We're all Canadians. We're all here together. We are in a divisive time right now. We are seeing in Nova Scotia a bit of a rise in uh, uh, anti-Indigenous hate. How do we bring this together? How do we bring Canada back to one, one uh, unified, loving country? There has to be a will. And there has to be a why. Um, why would somebody do that would be a question to be asked 
to those who aren't. And they're going to, you have to ask the question, why wouldn't you? And, and if they tell you why, then okay, well, let's talk about this. We don't have to be perfect. Right? We do not have to be perfect. We simply have to say we want things to be different. In that same address that you're talking about, I asked that room if they'd like to see a better Canada. Say I. Okay, not everybody did until I asked it the second time. And then they shouted it. And I said, if you'd like to see a better Canada, say love. And the whole room said love. So if we decide that we want to collaborate, I mean, I think that's what they need out in the East Coast right now. They have to have two sides to decide for themselves with the will that they're going to collaborate to make this better because they don't want to be killing each other. Are you kidding me? They don't want to kill each other. They just want to figure something out that makes sense, that works. So if they want to collaborate, they need to go into a lodge where they can sit and talk with the spirit of collaboration. Not negotiation, that's different. We're going to collaborate with the spirit of collaboration. And I can guarantee you this, when they come out of that room, they are not going to be perfect. But I can guarantee you this as well. They are going to be better. Okay. If you believe that, what would happen if you went back into the room twice or three times or four times? I guarantee you when you come out of that room, you're going to be better. Awesome. We'll jump back into here on Carol before we wrap up here, but I want to thank you for answering those questions for me, Tom. Um, you are in your 33rd year of the Huron Carol. You are over 70 years old. If not 70, you don't look a day over 25 in my eyes right now. But what you said to me, they asked me, well, how old are you? I said, 72. No, 71. <laughs> and, and they said to me, they said, you know, you don't look that good for your age. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does 2021 have in store for Tom Jackson? Are we going to get a new album here soon? Because you haven't had one since 2018. So are we going to potentially see a new album here released? I have two projects. Uh, um, uh, a, the, the Huron Carol uh, will be available. Um, we're creating a space called Almighty Voices. And if you're not familiar with that, Go look up almightyvoices.ca. There's we 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 produced twelve shows this year in the midst of COVID to raise money for the Unison Benevolent uh, Fund, and um, and those shows are they they're infused with everything I described in the Huron Carol. Um, but we we discovered a lot of things, and we we were going to create a store now uh, and put items in that store and proceeds of which uh, we have a number of charities that will be in there. You can designate where you want that money to go. 
Um, so what, one of the things in the store will be um, the soundtrack from the Huron Trail. So that's one piece. Um, the other piece is uh, I, I've, if I had a bucket list, it would be very short. And one of them I already blew. I wanted to see Lady Gaga live and she was in Edmonton and I didn't go. <laughs> so, okay, that's off the table. Okay, done. Uh, and the other thing was that I've always wanted because my, my musical roots kind of live and breathe in a thing that's called uh, Blue Eyed Soul, which is funky country. And um, I'm now leaning towards that and I've got a project called Nothing Like the Blues. Okay, what it means is nothing like the blues. There's nothing to do with the blues. <laughs> There's nothing like the blues. And, uh, and so I, I'm in the middle of writing that, and I hope to get to it, because we can do that now. Uh, I don't have to. I got a lot of friends in the industry that love playing and, and haven't been. So uh, we're going to record virtually. And um, and we're gonna do a blues album or not, not a blues album. <laughs> so once again, I want to thank you, Mr. Jackson, for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, the Huron Carol uh, will be linked in the show notes. So if anyone wants to get more information, please reach out to them. It is a fantastic uh, organization. Uh, before I go, I want to leave you uh, one last opportunity, Mr. Jackson, to. Tell people why they should get involved, uh, reach out and learn a little bit more about the Huron Carol. It's imperative for me to say two things to that. One of them is that if I say this again, if you're an organization, this is a multiplicity effect. This is a human viral effect. This is a pan all demic people effect because we can heal ourselves before we take medicine. We can create health for ourselves. If we can create happy, if we understand that while we're here locked down with our families, that our families can grow, that our families can learn things that our families can do things for others that will do things for us. And if you are an organization, let me say this last time, if you are an organization that needs to help others and needs to fuel your vehicle, because we might all want a better world, but that all takes funds. That all takes money. As much as it takes will, it takes money. So let me help you with that. If you're an organization, if you're a hockey team, if you're a dance troupe, find your on Carol. Do it through Todd at Pacan Entertainment. So that's one thing. And a little, let me leave you with this. Let me give you an example of creating health. Let me give you an example of a social prescription. For five seconds, I want you to close your eyes and we'll do this together. Okay, you ready? 
Okay, close your eyes. Now think of three things that tickle your soul. That make you happy. Now open your eyes and tell me if you feel just a little bit better than you did before you closed your eyes. I, I do. Um, I will, I will say this before you continue for those who are driving right now, please don't close your eyes. Please keep your eyes on the road. Do this once you get home. Or pull over to the side. No, I do feel better. And those, even those five seconds, it recentered me a little bit. So thank you. Well, that's what this is. That's what this does. So, you know, yeah, it, as I said at the top of all of this is you should know, Chris, we can't do this without you. We cannot do this without you. So whether you like it or not, you're part of the family. <laughs> family white choice. Well, I'm happy to be part of the family and I hope everyone else is as well. Um, Mr. Jackson, I want to thank you once again for doing this. It's been an honor. Uh, we, uh, you have been an inspiration for me all my life and I've always followed your career. So I'm very happy that I got a chance to sit down and chat with you today. Well, thanks. Thank you once again for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you love this episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Be sure to tune in for our next episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Once again, thank you. Bye-bye.